It is good uh, to be with you this morning, to be back here, and I really want to thank Brad for inviting me to teach, to preach today. I don't know if you know this, but after Easter, so Easter's in first place, this Sunday is the best Sunday for preachers, maybe across the world, for sure in America, because on this Sunday, we gain an hour in the morning. And it's just the best. And I, when Brad asked me to preach today, and I checked my calendar, I thought, man, this is like super generous because this Sunday, to get that extra hour is just awesome. So Brad, I guess he's left, but uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And then it occurred to me later, this may be compensation, because I think it was last spring he asked me to preach way ahead of time. And I, I said, yes. And then as it approached, it was the worst. It's the worst Sunday <laughs> for preachers, the one where you lose the hour in the morning. So anyway, Brad, thanks uh, for the invite and, and great to be here. Uh, this morning, all of Bethany uh, is starting a new sermon series, Rhythms. There we go. It was in the corner of the, the worship songs. But Uh, A new sermon series on Sabbath, and for the next three weeks, today and the following two weeks, the the focus of the teaching will be Sabbath, the title of the sermon series, uh, Rhythms, Rediscovering, Rest, and Renewal. And I see my uh, my mission this morning as uh, setting a general framework for the series, a kind of orientation around this theme of Sabbath. And so I want, to, uh, I want to pray, and then I'm going to read three scripture, scriptures for us today. But first, let's pray. And so, Father, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit to us now to be our teacher. Uh, thank you for your word. We pray the Spirit opens your word to our minds today in a way that's uh, challenging, that's comforting, and instructive uh, for us as we live our lives. Uh, Pray your blessing on us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So three three scriptures. The first, and then we might, I don't know if these are going to pop up. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And just a, just a quick note here, a little FYI, uh, Genesis chapter 2, right? This is pre-fall, not the season of the year. I mean Genesis 3, when everything goes sideways. And uh, theologians like to point out that this Sabbath teaching and one other, anybody remember what it is? And a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. The end of chapter 2, Sabbath and marriage are pre-Genesis chapter 3. In other words, these teachings... I understand it as applying to all of humanity. These are teachings that are just good for creation. Um, I wanted to 
take just a second and, and point that out. Wisdom for all people, not just people of faith. But second reading, Exodus uh, chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, this creation teaching is then kind of codified into law for God's covenant people. So Exodus, uh, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Again, just another little side note. In Deuteronomy, we have another giving of the Ten Commandments. And this Sabbath commandment is in that second giving. But the basis for it in Deuteronomy is the Exodus, God's rescue of Israel. In, in uh, the Exodus text, though, it's the, God's creative work that we read from Genesis 2 that serves as... Uh, the basis for Sabbath. Then jumping to the New Testament, and I'm guessing uh, as many that many of you are aware, controversy surrounding Sabbath keeping was one of the points of contention. You see this throughout the Gospels. One of the points of contention between Jesus and those Jewish religious leaders, uh, those who especially oppose Jesus' ministry. And I, I add that bit because not all Jewish religious leaders were opposed to Jesus. Some were fascinated by him. Nicodemus, uh, John chapter 3, came at night and wanted to hear more. You know, so sometimes we, we sort of stereotype or paint with a broad br- brush all the Jewish leaders. Uh, not the case. But some very much were... Uh, questioning Jesus' ministry and eventually sort of overtly opposed Jesus' ministry. And many of the conflicts that would arise came from Jesus' behavior on the Sabbath and his understanding of Sabbath versus uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees. So just an example, Mark chapter 2, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? I.e., the Pharisees had interpreted that as work. They were working on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, for people, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even 
of the Sabbath. Let me make, uh, let me make three observations this morning about Sabbath using these texts that, that uh, I just read. And I, I'm praying that this will, again, set kind of a general framework for this short sermon series on Sabbath. And then I also know Brad can correct me next week if it's not up to snuff for Bethany Ballard teaching standards. But uh, first point, the 6-1 the pattern, the 6-1 pattern, six days work, one day rest, is modeled on God himself, is modeled on God himself. God created or worked for six days and then rested or Sabbathed. Um, you know, as another of my asides, this is a way to get more points into a sermon. You know, I said just three, but if I can do these asides and have other points. Um, let, me, let me stress here that this, uh, these scriptures could, uh, as, could equally be used for an emphasis on work, right? We're focusing on the, <clears throat> on the one, the Sabbath. But it's six days... You shall work six days of activity, whatever like sort of your season of life is uh, and the activities that God has, has called you to. It may be student, maybe retired person, maybe stay-at-home parent, working, whatever it is. Uh, six days were, were to be energetically about, about uh, that. In other words, indolence or laziness is not God's will for any of us. I mean, we just, you just have to say that. We're going to get to all the fun rest part in just a second here. But notice that uh, these Sabbath texts could, the, the uh, Ten Commandments one especially, could be used as a, a work text. But our focus is on the seventh day. Uh, the Sabbath rest that God himself took. And the pastoral point I would make here, the connection point I would make is this. We, we practice Sabbath not simply because we're exhausted. Let me say that again. We are to practice Sabbath not simply because we're exhausted, but because it's the pattern for life that our creator himself has given us. It's the example that God's given us. As a little bit of an outsider to the Bethany uh, community, like I'm not on staff or anything, um, I I get the sermon title series and a lot of the promotional material, uh, and I could sort of caricature it this way, if you're exhausted and you're stressed and you're, you're beaten down, great news. Sabbath. And let me say, that's true. That's true. But I would add, hey, if you're on top of your game, I mean, you are just, can I say butt in church? If you are just kicking butt in life, I mean, you feel good. Everything's going great. Your health is good. Your family's good. Your work's good. Uh, You know, all lights are green. 
guess what? Sabbath. Sabbath. The pattern for human existence is six days of work, one day of Sabbath. If we're exhausted, boy, that's great news. But if we're doing great, it's still great news. So it applies, it applies to all of us. Now, I'm not positive what God did on the seventh day when scriptures, the scripture tells us he rested. I don't think he just napped all day. It just doesn't seem godlike to me to just, you know, be, be beat and nap. I mean, he's God. My guess is that he did something along the lines. I'm kind of putting this in, in human terms, but this is my best sort of rumination on this. On that se- uh, seventh day, God himself took time to reflect, to appreciate, to contemplate, to enjoy. Remember at the end of day six, and I'm, this is where I'm kind of drawing this, this point. Well, all through the six days of creation, it's good. He did this, it's good, this, good, good, good. Day six, he looked at everything and he said, you know, this is very good. So I'm just ascribing to God or wanting to note that it seems like God is capable of looking at his own handiwork and appreciating it. So my guess is on day seven when he rested, it wasn't napping, it was reflecting, it was appreciating, it was valuing. Um, Checking my notes here. Uh, so I'm very comfortable with the idea of God stopping and just marveling's probably not the best word, but sort of taking in his creative work. I had a philosophy professor in seminary, and I'm not making this name up, philosophy professor Diogenes Allen. I mean, the guy almost had to become a philosophy professor. And fascinating person, uh, is he grew up in Kentucky, Diogenes Allen, grew up in Kentucky, working in his parents' diner, Greek diner in Kentucky, and uh, went to college, Rhodes Scholarship, ultra bright guy, Yale PhD in philosophy, um, wonderful teacher. I'm very thankful that I had Diogenes Allen uh, for philosophy in seminary, but Dr. Allen used to make the point that uh, in the Genesis text, especially creativity on God's part was a kind of pulling back and allowing something else to exist, allowing room for something else. God, who's totally self-sufficient, brought the world into existence And I think on the seventh day, just looked at it and said, I like it. That's that's good, what I'm seeing here. He allowed something else to be there. Now, back to us. If there's an element of physical rest, sort of my napping joke with respect to God, if there's an element of physical rest 
for us on our Sabbath, uh, that's that's terrific. Um, as any per, as any personal trainer will tell you, uh, in terms of getting fit and strong, what the the rest days are important as important as the work days. And so, if you need rest on your Sabbath, Amen. God bless you. Take it and rest. But in addition to rest, I think it's wise and biblical to see Sabbath as that part of our week when we appreciate and are grateful for and contemplate and ponder God and all his blessings that that we enjoy. When we enjoy the life God's given us, when we gain perspective, take our bearings, make... uh, course corrections, all of which can be, could be construed as worship, right? Time to focus on God, focus on his call, and the life he's given us. Depending on your schedule, that could literally include, you know, going to church. But in addition to public worship, I would argue that the spirit of Sabbath and this anticipates or reflects our Mark reading a bit, is a time built into our week for this spiritual reflection, gratitude, prayer, contemplation. A time each week when we stop what we're doing on the six days, whatever our six days are, but we kind of stop what we're doing and reflect on God and the life that God has given us. Let me just toss this image out there. Think of it, the Sabbath principle, as a kind of mini retreat. Now, I'm not thinking like high school youth group or young life retreat, as good as those are. But I'm thinking more like adult retreats. You know, sometimes adults will maybe go to a, a, a monastery for a weekend or get away, and you just get the quiet and the rest and the space and the time to kind of prayerfully reflect on our lives and kind of what God's calling us to and how it's going. Sabbath is that each week. Sometime, sometime uh, to do that. Um, and again, another one of my asides, and let me go out on a limb here a little bit, Maybe in this Sabbath time, I'm not connected to internet world. Can I say that out loud? Is that okay to say? Like, I'm not connected. I would argue that it would be contrary to the spirit of Sabbath to have this time set apart each week, the one out of seven, and then simply fill it with our news feed, Twitter Twitter feed. I, I don't think that... Uh, is what the Lord would have us do on this time set aside uh, for Sabbath. I would suggest in the positive that we use the Philippians 4, 8 principle, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now that scripture applies all the time, but how about sometime in our week where we sort of more literally take that scripture and contemplate God, God's blessings, and what God has called us to. Um, I'm sorry, I, I sort of lost my place here. Okay, now I have it. Which leads, sorry about that, I told Brad I'm fighting a little bit of a head cold, and um, so I'm even more confusing than I normally am. Um, my second point, for this to be the 6-1 template uh, to really work, uh, we need to look at our week and build a week that works. Build a week that works. And I'm borrowing this phrase from Earl Palmer, um, whose name maybe some of you recognize. He used to be the pastor at uh, University Presbyterian Church. And he's like 80-something now, and he's still going strong, preaching and teaching. The guy, and his hair is pretty, like, black. It's just, he's gifted. Um, but early, decades ago, very early in my ministry, I took a preaching course from Earl Palmer, a kind of continuing education course. And as part of that class on preaching, Earl made this argument, you got to build a week that works. We have to build a week that works. Working from that Sabbath principle, Earl, Earl made the case that the week is really the biblical unit of time that God has given us to kind of work with. Um, goal setting, Sabbath in this class, sermon prep, planning, time, all that good stuff. A day is too short. Let's say you have a bunch of goals, you know, who you want to be in life. It's sometimes it's tough to do it all in one day. A month is too long, but a week seems like the, the biblical model uh, to build a week that works. And part of the good news with that is that if, when, if we blow it, well, the next week comes around really quickly. We get another shot, uh, you know, just a handful of days later. So I would ask you this morning, how is your week? How is your week? How does your week Look, is there time in your week allotted to, to Sabbath in a way that works for you and your current life situation and work schedule and everything? Do you have a week that works? It may be Sunday. Sunday traditionally is the, you know, the Sabbath, Sabbath day. But depending on your life situation, it may not be. And I'm kind of drawing on the Mark passage here. The Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. For example, it would be tough to make Sunday your Sabbath 
if you're a nurse who works weekends. Uh, tough to make Sunday your Sabbath if you're a parent of three young kids and you also teach Sunday school. That may be Sunday. That's not Sabbath. That's a lot of work on that day. So this is where the, the week that works principle, I think, is genius. Look at your week and ask, is there a block of time that I can literally schedule for myself a number of hours, maybe even a full day, uh, set aside for all that Sabbath stuff, reflection, prayer, contemplation, scripture reading, a walk with a friend where you can talk about the important stuff in life. Um, Oh, this is funny. And disconnected from the internet. See, I, I had jumped a page. That's what happened there. If you're curious, like, what happened to him when he got all confused? This is where the internet comment was supposed to come. So just put that in your brain. Um, and the Philippians 4.8 principle, this is where that was supposed to come. Um, I'm sorry, Brad. I'm really messing up this message, but... <laughs> You can dock my pay. Um, and let, let me now, I'm back on track, make a final comment about this week that works deal. Nobody will do it for you. Nobody will do it for you. You, I have to do it. I need to build a week that works for me. Now, if you're married, um, this means working with your spouse in building a week that works. Don't create a situation, not that any of us would ever do this, where your spouse asks you for help with a chore or a project, and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm practicing Sabbath right now. Would love to help, but just can't. So you want to collaborate with your spouse in building a week that works. Build a week that works for both of you and your family and your life situation. Um, But again, uh, nobody will do it for us. The good news is we can do it because we're in charge of it. In some way, shape, or form, we can shape our week to have uh, the Sabbath principle in there. Final point. Though I'm a big fan of Sabbath, and obviously believe it has like wide support in Scripture, I think we need to hold to the Sabbath principle non-legalistically non-legalistically. Both Jesus and the Apostle Paul supported the principle of Sabbath, but did so in a gracious and non-legalistic sort of way. Again, Jesus' words to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Paul wrote to the Colossians, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to festival or new moon 
or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. By the way, I'm not stressing it today, but I think I'm hoping in the sermon series somewhere this, uh, this point of Sabbath rest as kind of a metaphor of the life to come, that's all through the New Testament. In a sense, we're all headed to, to the big Sabbath in Christ. Um, that's why Paul says these are but a shadow of the things to come. But it's really kind of a letter and a spirit of the law thing. The Sabbath principle is a, is a blessing, and it's a gift meant for human health and well-being. Don't, don't turn it into a cudgel. Um, if you want to have some fun, later after church, not now on your phone, later after church, Google USA Blue Laws. Just Google that, or America Blue Laws. Blue Laws were, from the very, very earliest days of our country, an attempt, attempts to legalistically, i.e. legally, enforce Sabbath. Um, and like all legalism, it's, wrong, it's just wrong-headed. It's the wrong spirit. But you still see traces of what are called blue laws in states that, for example, don't sell alcohol on Sundays. That's, you find that uh, to this day. But early in our country's history, wow, some examples. And I've brought, I'm bringing these to you to sort of end on a, a lighter note. I hope you enjoy this. But George Washington. So this is, uh, don't become legalistic with Sabbath, okay? Uh, George Washington, as president, so he's President George Washington, was traveling by horse on a Sunday in Connecticut. And he was stopped and interrogated by a constable. And the constable wanted to put him in jail. But George Washington was released when he promised at the next town he would stop his journey and rest for the day. The president almost busted for breaking Sabbath laws. In the colony of Virginia, 1610, the following law was on the books. Quote, every man and woman shall repair... Uh, this is on Sundays, in the morning to the divine service and sermons, plural, preached upon the Sabbath day and in the afternoon to divine service and catechizing, that's teaching. Upon pain for the first fault uh, would be the loss of provision and allowance, like food allowance for the week. Your first, this is early America, three strikes, you're out law right here. So you don't attend church morning and afternoon. The first time they catch you, you lose your provision, provisions for the week. For the second offense, uh, you lose said allowance and you're whipped. 
I'm not making this up. And for the third offense, to suffer death. <clears throat> That's a legalistic interpretation of Sabbath. Uh, but here's my favorite. Uh, this is in Boston, Massachusetts, 1656. Quote, Captain Kimball uh, was locked in the public stocks. Remember public stocks? Head sticking through. For two hours for kissing his wife on the Sabbath. But here's my favorite part. This is after spending three years at sea. Holy moly. The charge, he was charged with this on the Sabbath, unseemly behavior. Hmm. Three years at sea, he kisses his wife in public on the Sabbath. And then on a more somber note, uh, historically, with these blue laws and this legalistic enforcement of Sabbath, there was a strong anti-Semitic bias because Jews uh, honor Sabbath on what day? Saturday. So they wouldn't work. Then guess what? Uh, Jewish shop owner, business person, Oh, you can't work on Sunday either. So really, uh, not good, not fair. So again, I'm a big fan of Sabbath and believe it has wide support in Scripture, but we need to hold to the Sabbath principle non-legalistically, Jesus-style. It's a gift from God for the flourishing of all human beings. So a couple takeaways. This is two short paragraphs, so this is it. That I hope these will be in your mind. The Sabbath principle finds support everywhere in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, it's just everywhere in Scripture. Creation, redemption, Old Testament, New Testament. It's a gift from the God who loves us and cares about our well-being. That's the foundational piece. God's given us Sabbath as a blessing. And then secondly, we need to build a week that works where that Sabbath principle is actually a part of our life. Yes, six days we work, but there's got to be that block of time each week. As if I had this image have you ever done a really challenging hike and you finally stop? You just stop for a second. And you, we, we stop and we look and we listen. We've been laboring, you know, say it's a climb, it's an ascent, and you're just, we're all focused on. But then when you finally stop, you see things and you hear things that you'd been missing. The Sabbath is that stopping. It's that rest when we stop and we look and we listen. Uh, let me offer a prayer. And so, Lord, I, I pray that 
you would help each of us in each of our circumstances um, incorporate this Sabbath principle that we would have that time in our week uh, when we stop, we look, we listen, we listen to you. We give you our thanks, our praise. Open our hearts to you and your will for our lives. I pray that for each of us sitting here right now. In Jesus' name, amen.